And at the very end, before we sign out, we'll give you some um, a spot to kind of uh, push your stuff, your uh, YouTube. Oh, I love pushing out. stuff. Your drugs. You <laughs> <got>. <laughs> if anyone wants Adrian. some Adderall. Oof. Oh, fuck. Oof. Me. <laughs> Y'all. Uh, Adrian, since we're recording and I want to uh, make recording or editing Adrian have a good uh-huh. time. Uh, you look really good. Thank you. Um, since last we recorded, I've lost 25 pounds. Whoa. It's like a baby. <laughs> you lost a whole baby. Uh, so, that's that's sad for some people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm working on doing another 25, uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, kill that baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I do choice. bring up the modest proposal in like very inopportune times. Just like we listen, hunger, eat babies. It's fine. <laughs> it's like this is a Wendy's. <laughs> we just start naming babies after fast food chains. Number three. Oh, not fast food chains, not a mm-hmm. order. <laughs> these are my babies the double arches <laughs> these are my babies animal style <laughs> i had uh pentuplets five guys <laughs> <laughs> this is one guy this is two guys <laughs> i think we should name babies off out of like uh like medications like this is my baby escatolorapram I do have a story. My grandmother overheard a conversation that um, in, you know, the the before times, the 50s, um, that she heard a woman want to name her child Chlamydia. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, that's a beautiful name. So beautiful. With nothing bad associated with it. No, No, nothing at all. Hi, my name's Adrian. Oh, shit. No, that was right. You were correct. You did that. No, you got it right. Is, is it, it Adrian? Is that, that's is it, that right? who I am? <laughs> am I Adrian? Oh, that, no, no. It's, it's not hi. It's hello. Welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. I'm and also Adrian. Have... No. <laughs> Oops. I'm Adrian. Oops, all Adrian. All Adrian. Oops, all Adrian. Okay, today we have a special guest, Adrian. Hi, uh, guys. Introduce yourself, Adrian. My name is Dice Adrian. I make videos about Adrian <laughs> on YouTube.Adrian. Um, <laughs> um, my, okay, my real legal name, that is not my legal name. What my name is Nico. That's too much. Well, my full, the, the this is my social security number. Um, <laughs> I have a YouTube channel that I've been running for almost exactly a year. We're recording this on October 5th. My one year mm-hmm. is coming up on October 9th. So Aww. I've been running the channel for a year now. I talk Happy about birthday. Dungeons and Dragons uh, too much. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first question. Why? Did you not get my list? It just says why on the list. That's it. Yeah. Why, though? <laughs> I did get a list of questions, and it was all <laughs> one word. Why? What? How? Who? 
Um, what else? What else is there to introduce about me? It's just my name is Nico. I make YouTube videos about Dungeons and Dragons. I, w I attended a mixer at my community college, and people asked me like, "Oh, what projects have you been doing?" Because like I d I'm in film school. I'm not in film school. I'm majoring in film. And people go, oh, what projects are you doing? And then I have to tell them, like, oh, have you heard about this niche game? I make videos about this niche game. And they're like, oh, like gameplay? And I'm like, no. <laughs> More along the lines of what if Shrek. Yeah. I just, I just think about, like, what would happen if, like, Star Wars was D&D? &D? Wouldn't that be coconuts? <laughs> That would be the most coconuts. Somebody should get on that. Like, Star Wars should definitely get in the, like, tabletop RPG world. I mean, it has, but I... not successfully. <laughs> what do you mean, not successfully? Don't... They have, like... Well... They do have an RPG, but they don't print it in mass anymore, because one of the companies that was producing it uh, kind of went out of business. That's I... why you can't find those... Uh, Star Wars dice as much. I do believe that there is a fifth edition Star Wars hack. It's like Star Wars 5e or something, and mm -hmm. it gives you rules on how to play in the Star Wars universe in 5e. I have not tried it. I cannot condone it. <laughs> Seems fun. Yeah, I went to Gen Con and played uh, a round of the Star Wars RPG. One, one game really interesting stuff um and i try to look up some of the products and like the dice specifically because i have some most of the books but haven't played it because nobody has the dice they're, they're you can't just replace them they have different little symbols and everything like yeah. that um but yeah no like Nico, this shit's for free what? what's for free <laughs> the star wars fifth edition hack yeah sweet f a 5e right sweet sweet <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars 5th edition. Yeah. It's all I guess here. We're... Player's Handbook, Scum and <laughs> yeah. Villainy, Starships and Galaxy, Wretched Hives. Listen, the ADHD took it. <laughs> I can't help y'all. Okay, well, we lost Alex. <laughs> all right, bye, Alex. Later, Alex. Yeah. I'll see you in, a, in 25 pounds. Bye. <laughs> what do <what are> you... <laughs> Wait, are... Alex, are you interested in Star Wars? I don't know. Sure? I don't. I don't. <laughs> the Star Wars guy. Man. Do you man, like unrelated it. question? I'm just. Are you interested in Star Wars? Yeah. I'm just a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> just a little guy. Just a little, just a little guy playing with my sword. <laughs> I'm glad the audio picked that up. I'm glad the audio. Nice. I'm glad I'm, this is going to be the first one that's going to be the video version of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Don't disrespect Princess Leia like that, okay? I'm not. I'm not. Anyways, uh, today I want to talk about Dice Brain um, and your creativeness and stuff like that. Uh, how did you come up with the name Dice Brain? Um, ooh, okay. This was the one question I was thinking about that I couldn't really think of an answer for. I've, a dice brain really just came to me in a dream, like a prophet receiving messages from an angry god. Uh, you know, it, it was just kind of delivered to me through the divine. Nice. Final answer. We have a good. <laughs> I will not ask any follow-up questions. 
It uh, makes sense How did you me. get into TTRPG? It uh, does, it does. Okay, D&D was the intro, of course. I think as many people, D&D is the intro. There was one specific video on YouTube.com by a YouTube channel called the Cosmonaut Variety Hour. And I love this channel. I'm obsessed with the channel. If Marcus could just pay me a little attention, that would make my day, my life. It was a YouTube video called How to Why You Should Play D&D and How, the and how in parentheses. And it was just a 10-minute video talking about D&D and talking about how great it is and like explaining the basic concepts and how it is a breeding ground. Specifically, he said it's a breeding ground for inside jokes, which automatically told me all I needed to know about D&D. So then I forced all of my friends. I was in eighth grade. I forced all of my friends to play D&D with me. They did not like it because they were not nearly as nerdy as I was. <laughs> and then later on in high school, I met people who were into D&D, and then I actually had fun playing it. Hell yeah. So were you a GM first when you tried to rope in your uh, eighth grade buddies? I did. I followed the advice that the Cosmonaut video was, and it was just by the starter set, the Lost Minds of Fandelver starter set, under 20 mm-hmm. bucks. That was about as much as I could afford at the time. So bought it. I ran Lost Minds of Fandelver. And I don't know if you've ever tried wrangling a bunch of middle school girls into playing Dungeons and Dragons. But Ever. one dog I, I was scared in the of girls. room. <laughs> I would only be girls would befriend me. They would adopt me off the street like a like a flea ridden dog. And then I was like, "Let's play D D. We're playing D D." And then <laughs> the dog goes, "Let's play D D." And I was like, <laughs> and like no one really enjoyed it because they didn't really care about like learning the rules. But I, of course, I was got obsessed with it. I was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, this is the greatest thing. And then the obsession spiraled. And then high school, there was the D&D club. And then I joined the D&D club. And instead of being adopted by a bunch of middle school girls, I was adopted by a bunch of senior guys. I was the one freshman that was hanging out with all the seniors. <laughs> and that was so my first opportunity to actually play. To Stranger actually play. Things is based on your own life. Um... Seems unlikely. <laughs> You're the Will Byron of the group of, I just want to play D&D. What are you guys doing? Yes! <laughs> yes! God! Can we just sit down and play this game and enjoy each other's company for a little <laughs> bit? Please. Uh, what was your first character when you finally got to play? Okay. 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 <laughs> So oh, no. I only first got to play in high school with that D&D club, and I was obsessed with the video game Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. And so the character I created was a gnome rogue with the Inquisitor subclass named uh, Preston Valenti. And if you play Fallout 4, you know that is just basically ripping two different character names and then stitching them together like a horrid <laughs> Frankenstein. And I took the character Nick Valentine and turned him, instead of a robot, I turned it into a gnome. So it was, he talked like this. He had this high-pitched transatlantic accent. And he would, it was, in a medieval world, I had him, he had a trench coat and a fedora, and he was a, he was a private investigator. And I got to play, that campaign was on and off 
I think I got him up to like level nine. I started at level one, got him to level nine. So it's the longest I ever played a character. But yeah, Presa Valenti, private investigator. I love doing the voice. Hell yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Awesome. Um, how do you... Okay, so you have a like... To, a, a, a sizable... I want to say definitely bigger than mine, which is like two subscribers, okay? I have two <laughs> subscribers on my channel, okay? Adrian, Nico, you don't have to compare the, the size I'm comparing of sizes, okay? You Look, don't have to. His this is bigger is... than mine. That's all I'm saying. The size doesn't really matter. It's really more about the girth of the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, now I'm hearing. I got now Alex. I'm listening. I now got I'm Alex. Listening. 15 minutes in. We got Alex. Yes. <laughs> There's an epidemic at my school of the boys drawing penises on everything, and everything is a penis. Today, I erased four penises off of various different things, except let me just give you a description of these penises, because somebody needs to go to anatomy class, because, okay, the two circles, right? Clear as day. No, no, no little scruffy bits. You know where the scruffy bits are located? On the shaft. No! Why are the scruffy bits on the shaft? No. <laughs> Listen, everyone's different, okay? Yeah, you're so judgmental. So you were talking about how girthy I am, Adrian? Say that again? You were talking about how girthy I am, Adrian? What was, what? Yes, how girthy are you? <laughs> no, um... I think I have, like, almost 1,200 subscribers at this point, which I feel like is okay. Is decent for, like, a year. I've been doing D&D videos for consistently for about a year. We're almost monetized. <laughs> How do you um, find your ideas, and what what makes you say I gotta make this into a video? Oh man, okay. So I get ideas from a bunch of different avenues. My videos are very. There's hardly a common theme between my videos, except for vaguely tabletop. Um, it's my first ever video that I made about boss battles. I had a revelation that like. If you just throw one monster against a whole party, doesn't matter how high the CR of that monster is, they're going to get annihilated. So the idea for that video and other of those subsequent videos was what was a problem that I discovered running D&D and how did I fix that problem? And now how can I turn that problem solving into a video? Mm -hmm. um, another thing I get ideas from is just other people's content like... Um, I have that series of videos where I take movies and I recontextualize the movies as someone's D&D campaign. I've done that with Star Wars, Marvel, Suicide Squad, Shrek for a thousand subscribers because I promised, I threatened I'd do Shrek at a thousand subscribers. Um, yeah. And that I kind of blatantly stole from Matthew Colville because <laughs> Matthew <laughs> Colville has that really successful video of Lord of the Rings, but it's not Lord of the Rings. It's if Lord of the Rings was someone's D&D campaign. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought, you could apply that to so many other movies. And I feel like whenever I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking, what is that character's class? What's that character? What are the, what's the DM thinking when they're doing this? So I just made that into a video. Um, the DM is just the director at that point, you know? <laughs> uh, writer, director. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, of course, I'm a film kid. I'm obsessed with movies. I have been since I was like nine years old. So that, of course, that scratches an itch for me. And if I can't find an idea from someone else's content or experimenting with my own um, campaign, 
I will try to combine something in D&D with some kind of concept in real life. Prime example is the military versus Tarask video. Can the U.S. military defeat a Tarask? Um, or what cantrips or what spells are most useful in real life? Uh, I do want to make a video that is figuring out what your real-life D&D stats are. Uh, mm-hmm. I just need to find people and a camera crew to film that. That's my most ambitious project that I'm working on right now. So are uh, you going to take them on the streets and, like, test their different abilities? So, like, an IQ or, you know, stick your head in a bucket of ice for constitution? <laughs> and I mean, I, that would be really... Lines. I honestly, bought a bow and arrow. Nice. <laughs> How many arrows? Uh, as many break. as you need. <laughs> okay. Ten arrows. It's just the Amazon archery starter kit. Hell yeah. Thank you, Daddy Bezos. Thank you, you so much. Thank you for my life, Bezos. <laughs> I think I was I talked to Nico because I told Nico my ideas and I'm like, I have this one too. And we've we've compared and we saw the same like articles of how people statted out their um, blocks and everything like that, which some are just like super simple. And then some are just a hundred question, a hundred question long. Uh, and it's like, how do you test all of this? Can, do you have time to test all of this? This is just too many for like even more than one person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of ways that are accurate, but also fun. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of the thesis of my channel is how can you keep something fun and also be obsessively pedantic? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's that's one of the pillars. <laughs> Hell yeah. I guess what are the stat numbers based off of, right? Like that's that's asking a bigger question because are they are they like based off of just basic human or like? No, they have some sort of human contextualization in, in some of the descriptions, where like in, in Pathfinder, it, it shows you what kind of monster you'd be in. Like a ten, you're just a human. But at 12, you're like a champion or a fucking horse. I don't know. Um, you know, the two genders. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> champion or horse. Um, champion or horse. Yeah. What's your um, gender, Adrian? Champion horse. <laughs> you're champion horse. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I was assigned horse at birth. Yeah. <laughs> champion all um, day, baby. <laughs> um. But it just it scales differently, and like you get to weird outwardly pro- powers once you hit twenty mm-hmm. um, ability score. It's just like you are just the strongest. You've competed in the Olympics, and I'm like, that ain't me. Which is fine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. never gonna get twenty. But now I have an understanding of what my character should be like. They're they like peak yeah. performance if they hit twenty. I always find that concept very interesting. I I noticed the group that I play with, they really enjoy contextualizing D&D things in real life. Like, I remember a lot of the times in my campaigns, you never like, uh, a high-level character walks into town, they say, it's like if a rock star started walking on the city streets. Mm-hmm. A lot of parallels to real life. And I don't know if that's just with my group or if that's with many groups. Uh, but that is something that I notice, where sometimes players need that real-life comparison to fully grasp what the description is within the narrative. From my experience, it's usually been, like, 
movie tropes. Like this is what Love it's like tropes. from this movie. Uh, yeah. Like uh, what was it? I think it was like they said Catwoman because like my the kobold used their nail to like a perfect circle and just pulled out the glass and they're just like like. <laughs> inspiration thank you for oh the my god can i, I be it. can i play with your group that sounds amazing <laughs> hey man i'll let you know i'll let you know <laughs> thank you we got one guy who literally works on movie sets all day um and we we play with him he's, he's a cool guy yeah i mean i feel like movies in D D, they're pretty they're very tight closely tight together i know there's like I try to keep my TikTok very D and D centered, but occasionally I'll get like book talk things, and I get a lot of things with like mm-hmm. centralized around books. But I feel like D and D really works best as a medium tied to film. But I think that's just because I'm biased. I'm I'm obsessed with movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not much of a reader, so I'd have to ask my the people who do read it that I've played D and D with. Like, would you, how would they compare it to? Yeah. Do you I read books, Alex? You read books. You have a better idea than me. <laughs> do, you made a dress out of a pages. Do I read books? You read books, uh, fucking yeah. nerd. I am, absolutely. <laughs> I have it on my fucking phone, so I have it all the time. I could read whatever I want. I could read paperback. I can read hardback, and I can read... I don't read audiobooks because um, the ADHD doesn't let me listen at the same time mm. and comprehend. Um... But honestly, I don't think about D&D as a book. I think, especially talking with some of our friends, I can see it more as a comic book. And that's how I see it. Because we set up oh. like, like, there's, I mean, but then, then then we just go into the film route, right? Like, I just see mm-hmm. stills of like combat. So it's not like. Storyboards. Right. It is. It's more of a storyboard. Like. I don't think we take the time and effort to do all of the thinking and the processing that you would you would have when you were narrating a, an actual book. But I think, you know, more comic-y storyboard would be the closest we get to um, books rather than movies. But then mm. they're one and the same then. Yeah. Except for DC movies. <laughs> Um, fight me fight me tell me i'm wrong no that's fine i'm not gonna fight you that's fine fucking watch the flash i watched it It was awful (laughs) (laughs) um gosh i haven't seen a film in a while um you haven't seen a film in a while yeah you usually just go with my grandma we went to the last one i saw was the voyage of the demeter how was that because that was in theaters for like a week and a half yeah, it was, it's, you know, scary. I just felt like, I felt like there could have been more with it. I mean, when you got, like, your major scene to be on a boat, you have you have limited you know, uh, ways to run away or fight. Um, and it just, I don't know. It felt more of the same. It wasn't really interesting in the presentation of what uh, a Dracula vampire could be. Other than that, yeah. I mean, I've read Chris Estrada, okay? I know what I'm doing, okay? I know what a vampire's supposed to feel oh, like, okay? Yeah. I know better than you. Back after a year, and the first thing out of his fucking mouth is Chris Estrada. 
Listen, man. Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd. Let me tell you about Curse of Strahd. Yeah, tell me <laughs> about Curse of Strahd. You get, like, Curse a little vampire teeth tattoo. Like... I would... I had a conversation with my players, and they said... No, the things I know now as a DM, they would definitely play the same module, but as if like in a an error an era after their first encounter with Strahd. So, so we, a sequel, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. um, like, they, there's some characters that were left behind and. Uh, may contain the curse and all that stuff Ooh. and may have been trying to fix it and just not been able to fix it and just been succumbed to it instead. Would you do their, like, children? Or, like, their great-grandchildren? Or some sort of lineage? To be honest, I think most of them would not. I think maybe two or three would do children of the lineage of their characters. Um, because the, I think they would like to have for me, anyways, as a DM, I would use their children as potential background characters in their stories so that they can have their own unique um, pool and their own families I can pull into the world, because that's what I did last time. But I, I would do it much earlier. I would incorporate them a lot more than I did last time. Mm -hmm. um, it was an interesting time, Curse of Strahd. I really got my chops. I um, still got to make a Curse of Strahd video. I made my Vandelver video. I made a Waterdeep video. I got to make a Curse of Strahd video. Have you, how much, have you, you've done a whole campaign, or? I am in the midst of a Curse of Strahd campaign. It is tough, because we do not get much done in the few sessions we're able to schedule. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're at the point in the Curse of Strahd campaign where, like, we've collected all the Taraka decks. I think we're, like, level eight or something. And we're, like, we're pretty much ready to kick Strahd's ass. Hell yeah. But, like, yeah, we're, we're I think we're, like, done... We're near the finale. but So I want to wait till I finish the campaign before I give my criticisms, but I do have a lot of criticisms for Curse of Strahd. All right. Uh, I, I had the the benefit and of, of playing with someone who had already played Curse of Strahd, so it, it, it forced me as someone who was like, I don't want to play the same boring uh, Strahd if he's already played it. He DM'd it with his group. So when I did it, I had, I made my own twist. I had more characters. I, I did a bunch of different stuff because I, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to be boring. Yeah. So I was kind of forced to, to be more creative than I was. Um, I had to be. I had to be. Yeah. Um, but I won't, we won't talk about it since you're still in the midst of it. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, what campaigns are you in? How many do you have? What's going on? Uh, so there's the Curse of Strahd campaign that I'm playing in. I am playing a vengeance, a half-elf vengeance paladin. Um, Sir Devlin Bauer uh, used to be a knight of Strahd, now betrayed and seeking his revenge. Um, uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm running two campaigns. There's the Patreon campaign that I'm running. Uh, that's kind of on hiatus right now because I'm having a hard time finding the time to run for patrons at the moment. And that campaign, I totally bit off more than I could chew with that campaign because it takes place in a city with seven different factions and all the factions are at war and it's like a whole game of diplomacy and it's like, uh, this is a little too much for me now that I'm going to school and like I have a job and everything. So I think... I want to reboot my Patreon campaign for something a bit more simpler. Um, I'm also writing a campaign for my close good friends, 
where everyone is a mermaid princess and <laughs> they've been abdicated from their throne by their evil long lost brother and they're trying to take the throne back hell yeah dude so yeah mermaid princesses it rocks the whole campaign's underwater it's it's a blast are, are they all? How do they? Uh, how do you do stats? Are they just all? All of them are just mermaids. Or is there any flavor of mermaids that you have? Like, uh, I one of my favorite TV tropes is anthropomorphic animals. I know there's like a whole community around fetishizing anthropomorphic animals, but I just like the concept of in a fantasy world having people with animalistic traits. So there are like the mermaids who are like half human, half fish, but I also like have. Uh, shark people and squid people. Uh, there's one of the characters is just a huge lobster, <laughs> like a lobster with arms and a face, vis-a-vis Larry the Lobster. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Uh, that's mostly. Yeah, I don't change any of the stats. I just I use whatever stats I can find that I feel like fit the campaign the most, and then I just give him a swim speed. Gotcha. How long has that, the one with your friends, how long has that been going through on for? Uh, we've had three sessions in the past eight months. Nice. That's that's still a lot. <laughs> so you know we what? Haven't, we haven't taken it, our, our kingdom back yet. <laughs> no, they just escaped uh, capture. <laughs> They were they were this close to being executed. As you should when yeah you know you because you can't ask me to run a game about like royalty and kingdoms without doing some Game of Thrones shit. All right, I play Crusader Kings <laughs> three in my spare time. Shit's gonna get brutal. Oh my gosh, I so love court politics. Game. I love royal court. I love like medieval, like wars and intrigue. Oh, I eat that stuff up. Um, nom, nom, nom. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> so you don't understand how closely <laughs> that trend got to me. Because I think about the Roman Empire so often, a violent amount. That, that sparked an eight-hour fight in my house. <laughs> because Michael is not on the internet. Doesn't have TikTok. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do social media. So... I should have recorded. I should have fucking recorded it, but I didn't. Cause the Eight hours of recording, damn. Oh, my God. But, like, then he was like, but don't you know, it, everything's related to the Roman Empire. Everything it that is. we do. I don't, <laughs> I don't think about that. And now I do. Now it's on my brain, and now I think about it every day. Every, our language, our religion, our, our culture, everything goes back to the fucking Romans. I Not think everything. About pirates every day. Pirates. What? Well, just, what about pirates? Oh, not just One Piece pirates specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen One Piece, but I do enjoy how all the pirates in One Piece they have a little theme going. Oh yeah, they do. They their, all... their laughs are very stupidly unique. Yeah. Some of them is just. One of them is just his laugh is just him saying his name over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Man. 
the, the characters comment on it too but <laughs> it's not the least ridiculous laugh that they have on the show <laughs> so this so his laugh so the laugh being just his name that's a diegetic thing yes exactly Christ. okay it's like le bon le bon le bon le bon mm. it's like just saying your name <laughs> um but it's so good. It's so good. I, I think about it every day, and I, I try to get uh, as many people I can into the fandom, because that's just part of the fandom. It's just alienating everybody else that is not part of the fandom. <laughs> they almost <sighs> had me. I almost did it. Did you watch the live action, at least? I haven't watched any of it. Okay. You know what I picked up instead? Ugly Betty. Why? Again? You mean no, not again. I've I'm only watched. I, no, no. You just now started? Okay. I just never, yeah. I, you know, known ugly girl, America Ferreira. You know, <laughs> the one actress absolutely known for being ugly. About to look up who that is. I keep oh hearing God. the name. She's in the Barbie movie. She is. I didn't watch that either. She was in Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. Oh, yeah, my sister watched that. You know, because that came out when I... So, I'm going to date me. Uh, that date. came out when I was in high school. And uh, I was... Not, I did not like this person. And they had asked me out on a date. And they were like, let's go to the movies. And they were like, what movie do you want to go to? And I was like, fucking Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And he was like, okay. And then, like, tried to weirdly put his arm around me. And I was like, read the room. Like, read, <laughs> read it. We're seeing the stupidest movie in the world. Uh, I'm sitting, like, with a space in between us. There's no, like, popcorn. Sh We're not sharing popcorn. We have our individual drinks, our individual popcorn, and I have my own snacks that I brought myself, and I didn't bring you any. <laughs> there's a sister in the this, this seems like you have a lot of, of pent-up feelings towards this one guy from 2005. You know... <laughs> Google's free, Alex. Google's free. <laughs> I hate that so much. You're right. Uh, Are you mad no. that this? I mentioned that it was a 2005 film. I just, I, I think I knew Who's my my hearts are my heart of hearts. I don't know who directed it. Ken Quapis. <laughs> sure. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Let's see what else is Oh no, he did Big Miracle. This guy's cool in my books. Big Miracle is the hockey. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really connecting here, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Nico, Real for coming to this podcast. So <laughs> definitely welcome. made you feel good. Yeah, Big Miracle is about the whales being stuck, and they're trying to get oh, the so, whales yeah, unstuck. Yeah, definitely not hockey. Well, it's, it's basically <laughs> hockey if you think about it. They're technically on ice. You know, if you connect it back to the Roman empires, we can get into <laughs> hockey somehow. <laughs> you know, it's my favorite Star Trek movie is the one with the whales. That was my favorite one, too. I've not watched Star Trek. <laughs> it's one of the few fandoms I haven't gotten into. There's only so much time for so many fandoms. Yeah. Yeah, but yours is all one piece. That's the issue. You only have one. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a thousand episodes. Yeah, that's why. I just started collecting the books. Uh, you can't see it. I didn't know yeah. you could read. Barely. <laughs> I'm so glad there's like so few words on those pages. Otherwise, I wouldn't have read it. 
just kidding. It's no, just I know Adrian can read. Listen, I can only read things with pictures in it. Okay, if it don't got pictures, it's not gonna hold my attention for long. I try to read. Uh, they both die at the end. Um, because it's super sad apparently. Um, but well, I with a title like that, I know. What if they don't and die the picture at the end? Of the, uh, well, they might. It could be like maybe it's John like a metaphorical dies at death. the end. Yeah, true. Like a Campbell death, like like an ego death. Yeah. Mm. That's that's ego so death. fun for everybody. Ego death. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I fuck with ego death. I, yeah, I fuck, yeah, I fuck with ego death. Fundamentally changed yeah. at the end of a story. Yeah. God. I think. I well, say I, it's I mean, not a story if nothing's fundamentally changed. <laughs> true. There's this film that really fucked with my head. It was called Mr. Nobody with Jared Leto, I think. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. 2009. And it was like these three different timelines and and it, they all exist at the same time and I'm like there's like don't get it. He's like the last human on earth and he's talking to these invincible people and then I'm just like at one point and, and just he's gonna die and then he dies and i'm like this is sad i'm Isn't sad it just like jared leto in the real world like nobody actually exists around him it's just jared leto it's 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 morbid time yeah <laughs> gosh big morbid big morbid unrelated but related uh zach got into the the the, the fucking morbius like fan Discord and then got kicked out for saying Morbin too many times. <laughs> uh, that's the unofficial story. It's it's he he did ask those kind of meme kind of questions and it yeah. eventually just got kicked out. Yeah, because the thirteen year old mod was mad at him. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh man. Um, Nico. I'm Nico. Nico. Back to Nico. Everything turning up Nico. Um, where do you get your inspiration from for your games? For my games? Mm-hmm. For my games? Um, my inspiration for my games... This is a great question. Thank you so much for asking. You're welcome. The You're welcome. inspiration that I get for my games... checking if it was on the list and i just didn't it was not (laughs) (laughs) um inspiration for my game specifically i have not run D &D in a while so it's hard for me to remember where i do get my inspiration from Mm -hmm. but i tend to come back to the idea of that classic pulp D D adventure of like a group of adventurers raiding a dungeon fighting off monsters and I think of ways to add a mechanic or add something to change that up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just fine for me to just run a basic pulp fantasy game. In fact, I run a lot of modules, a lot of old modules. That's one of my favorite things to do as, as a DM is finding modules from 4th edition, 3rd edition, 1st edition. There's one, a couple of 1st edition games that I'm fucking obsessed with. Um... And then, you know, retrofitting that into 5th edition. Um, But if I'm really going Cocoa Bananas and I want to do something 
wacky wild, I tend to take a piece of media that I'm obsessed with and then find a way to turn that into a D&D campaign. Like, at one point, I was really obsessed with The Boys, mm. uh, the TV show The Boys, and I like the idea of a bunch of people with no powers, a bunch of normal people trying to defeat what are basically Greek gods. Right. I, I think of the superheroes in The Boys as, like, modern Greek gods of, like super powerful but also incredibly human driven by ego and are like inherently flawed and abuse right. that power and from there you make a monster of the week campaign where instead of fighting monsters you're trying to come trying to find the one weakness of these greek gods um what else was one that i was thinking of another monster of the week campaign i'm really hankering to run monster of the week um <laughs> oh, yeah. have you guys listened to the podcast the magnus archives Fucking love yeah, this podcast. Yeah, I, I finished uh, the two. They came out with a second series or something. They're like coming that. out with one soon. I think. Coming out with one. I uh, finished the first series. Pretty good. But I would like to run a Monster of the Week campaign that just takes place in the Magnus Archives universe and explore those concepts. They're very good. I love some of their their. I guess what are they called? The avatars that they have for that, each of those things. So good. I love the avatar concept. I love the idea of of fears manifested into ambitions, and those ambitions require avatars to do their bidding. That's just so. I'm nom 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 more more more. I love that. That's um, so good. So I think my, my inspiration comes from finding pieces of media that I enjoy and then finding a way to shape that into tabletop. How do you get into your creative flow? For D&D or for YouTube? Uh, we'll do YouTube, yeah. YouTube creative flow? Okay. Uh, <laughs> analytics mean a lot to me, more than they really should. Uh, I track analytics religiously, and it's awful for me, but I do it anyways. Uh, and then I have one spreadsheet, a huge spreadsheet with all my ideas on it, um, and all the videos that I have uploaded and how well they've done. And I take one of the videos that I've been doing really good. I find an idea that is related to that really well-performing video, and then I start working on that. So... I pace around, try to verbalize my thoughts, get those thoughts down on a Google Doc, put that Google Doc on Patreon, and then from there I start filming. And that's when I have to decide, am I filming this on the floor? Am I filming this by the green screen, whiteboard? Is this going to be voiceover? If this is going to be a whiteboard or on the floor filming, I get to pick my gel light colors. I love, I love my gel lights. I got the gel lights on right now. I love my colored little lights. Oh, it makes me so happy. Oh, my God. Picking out my little colors. Um, best part of YouTube, honestly. Uh, <laughs> is away from the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. um, and then from filming, I try my best to be a high energy. I really like the camera presence of CJ the X. Uh, not a lot of people. That's a bit of an obscure YouTube channel, CJ the X. But the sort of neurotic energetic way of describing this really obsessive concept that's the energy i try to inhabit film it and then i either do some editing edit for a few hours a day or i send the project over to one of my friends who's an editor named eden 
Uh, he's across the pond in the UK, and he does some editing for me. You can find some of the videos that he does on my channel. Also does some editing for Megaphone Man, that other channel, uh, which I also recommend. Um, and then I, I edit on Premiere, unfortunately. And then uh, once I finish editing, I, I, that's my creative process for, for the films. Not the films, the videos. They're not films. <laughs> That's not, they're not films at all. <laughs> they're like mini films. We'll we'll count it. We'll be fine. No. <laughs> okay. It's fine. What are they? He doesn't doing? want his first film debut to be. What is it like? Making uh, boss. These are the greatest good. spells in D and D. Boss battles. Yeah. This is uh, why uh, world maps are bad. <laughs> I like that video. <laughs> it's good. I like that video too. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and then my creative is, process for D and D or TTRPGs is just sitting down with a journal and jotting down all the different ways I want to stall for time. For me, a lot of running games is just <laughs> stalling for time. How am I going to fill out time? Um, and so I I try to visualize. The different beats that the can that the session is going to hit, and then how I can fill out the hours with the most engaging content. All right. That makes sense. Is there sense. any like listen like oh, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> you go ahead. Well, I mean, it, th that's the perfect way to describe it, right? Because you are trying to just fill out the gaps and and that's really just letting the players play around and and fuck around in between all right like i've got this plot point i want to get to and then you guys can do whatever you want and feel accomplished and eventually we're going to get to this point um but sometimes players just need a little hand holding mm -hmm. and so like it's not as interesting to go from plot point to plot point but like what do you do if they can't get there on their own mm-hmm Oh, is that a question to me? I don't know. That was rambling. <laughs> but if you want to answer it as a question, sure, yeah. What do I do if they can't get there on their own? It depends. I think you can avoid players sort of milling about if you have the proper amount of tension. I think players will never dilly-dally or waste time if there is a fire lit under their ass. Um, and so... I think part of my style, my D&D style, is kind of having an ever-present threat, or at least a ticking clock, something where time is valuable. And I do make sure that the players know, I'm keeping track of time. <laughs> I'm making sure time is being accounted for. And something I have noticed is when I don't do that, then the players start to be like, eh, what do we do here? What do we do now? So always an ever-present threat. And then once you have that ever-present threat, they will never waste time. And once they do start wasting time, you can start poking them with that threat. If the threat is an invading orc army, you get poked by an orc scouting party. Um, if the ever-present threat is uh, a flood, water starts trickling up above your ankles. Just a poke, a push to get them to get going. But in order to do that, you need to have the forethought of including that, that looming threat. Do you have a favorite threat that you've put on your players my favorite threat my favorite threat <laughs> <laughs> Death. Uh, i don't know uh probably uh mailing their family's body parts uh no um 
IRL in <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> uh, I always love. I'm, you know, I'm also a Star Wars fan, so having like an unstoppable army, like a juggernaut army, and like having a bunch of plucky rebels trying to beat them, that's always that's always fun. And it's very versatile because then you can have like spies, you can have scouting parties, uh, other shit that I can't think of right now. <laughs> but um, that's typically or natural disasters. Natural disasters are always fun. Uh, but I don't like doing natural disasters as much because I always like to make sure my players have an agency. Um, I don't like campaigns where everything is shitty all the time. I don't like dark fantasy. That's one of the reasons why I wasn't a huge fan of Curse of Strahd was mm-hmm. because everything is terrible all the time. And Hell that's yeah. not something I, I mean, know. like my players to feel. <laughs> I, like, that's also why I dislike the Warhammer 40k setting. Uh, someone tried to run Warhammer 40k as like a TTRPG and it was awful because everybody's racist. <laughs> Everybody wants to kill you and if they if they do kill you, they will not face any consequences for it. Curse of Strahd, everyone is hopeless. Um, there's no escape. Even death, you can't even escape. So even if you, everyone wants to die, but they you don't even get the release of death. And then you think you're coming in as these heroes, as these hopeful adventurers. And it's like, no, there have been dozens of adventurers before. You're not going to be any different. We don't believe in you. We don't, we don't care if you save us. I want to make sure my players have a reason for being heroic, or at least a reason for doing what they're doing. So campaigns like Curse of Strahd, or just like the dark fantasy campaigns where everything is just terrible all the time and there's no hope, that grinds my gears and it makes me... It makes me want to reassure my players, but no, but there is hope, though. Because I want you to keep playing, and I don't want you to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. What was the question? <laughs> no, it was beautiful. That was really good. I there's a couple points. Like, as much as Adrian and I and all of our beautiful guests have come on and talked to us, I don't think I've ever thought about using like weather or natural elements against players, <laughs> or like as a. a plot point of motivation right it's always a puzzle Mm -hmm. it's always an enemy it's something else driving them so i think that's an interesting idea of pulling from the elements um because then those could be a little more chaotic Mm -hmm. right i i can use that at any point um as a dm so i think like that's a really eye-opening idea for me but i also am that same person that i I like when there's a happy ending. Mm. I really do enjoy not having to be depressed all the time because most of the time I'm I'm depressed anyways. That's I'm trying to get yeah. out of my own head. <laughs> um, but I, I 100% agree with you. Like that, yeah, yes. And I think everything you're doing sounds amazing, and I win. I think you're doing a good job. There's always time for depression. I <laughs> okay. You don't gotta tell me twice. People shit on <laughs> Campbell, and they should. They should shit on Campbell. They should shit on the monomyth because it doesn't always fit. It doesn't always work. But God, is it useful. It is so useful. If you haven't read Christopher Vogler's The Writer's Journey, highly recommend. With a capital HR, highly recommend. 
um, because it, it synthesizes the idea of the hero's journey and the monomyth, the hero with a thousand faces. And it is able to take all of the emotions that I think makes good storytelling and puts it in a sequence that I have been trying to implement in my games for months now. Uh, it's hard to because I don't run as often as I would like to. Um, but the idea of the call to adventure, meeting the mentor, starting with having a mentor, having someone help you, crossing a threshold into the unknown, finding challenges and tests along the way, getting backed into the corner, entering the cave, going through the ordeal, dying, failing, the lowest possible moment you can be, losing everything, but somehow returning, rising up, changing, resurrecting, and then returning and then succeeding. That is what I want to have in my D&D games. That dip that that dip of depression within the ordeal before resurrection that should not be the whole campaign the whole campaign should not be your lowest moment your lowest moment should come after you've done the tests after you've proven yourself you've shown that you're capable but you think you're not capable enough that's when the ordeal hits that's your lowest moment but then you change and then you rise back up and then you meet the challenge that's storytelling. That is how you use depression for... That, that's how you use the sadness and hopelessness in your favor instead of just discouraging your players. Next question. That's just like One Piece. No, Fuck off. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's like a lot. You could apply the monomyth to every single story ever told. Even though you can't really, but I think it's fun. <laughs> gotcha. No, that was interesting. I, I f I'm trying to see how, like, because I've run that, you know, that very depressing Chris Estrada game. Like, I knew that it couldn't be all sadness. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of coming back if you're like, ah, yes, mm -hmm. I love another grand serving of fucking depression and hopelessness. Yeah. Everyone's dying. And you can't come I, back I, if you were never there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I knew that, you know, most of the times every they were very heroic, but I think I've done some some of that already in my this new campaign that I've done where they've lost something great to them and now they're trying to come back from it cuz they they did a lot of good stuff mm -hmm. and they're still doing some good stuff, but they're trying to reach that goal of getting back what was stolen from them at this point. And my ideal TTRPG, there would be some mechanic that would incentivize or reward players for changing after hitting their low moments. Because I feel like that makes for good storytelling is, is not only hitting a low moment, but changing yourself, transforming, and becoming better from it. That would be ideal for me in a, in a tabletop game. And I, I feel like you could probably homebrew that, but I would like a concrete mechanic for it. Mm -hmm. Like the self-actualization. Yeah. <laughs> you level up every time you self-actualize. <laughs> you gotta get real depressed real quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, that also, I feel like, encourages fail failure, which I, I think we should encourage failure a little more. Yeah. Do you... F okay. 
do you roll in per is this all of your games in person or do you have online games patreon's online my other games are in person have you ever had to deal with people that you've uh, that you've known or felt like were fudging dice rolls? Have I ever had to deal like people mm-hmm. fudging dice rolls? In my first ever campaign, the DM would fudge dice rolls a lot, but that's mostly because he would throw insane encounters at us at low levels. Like we were all level five fighting a lich, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of a necessity to fudge the dice rolls. I'm personally against fudging dice rolls. I don't judge other DMs for doing it, but I'm personally against it. Why? I'll tell you why. (laughs) Um, One of my most popular videos right now is a video called Lost Minds of Fendelver is Bad, actually. Um, And have you guys played Lost Minds of Fendelver? have not okay it's the starter set adventure you're all level one characters and it begins with you on a carer caravan not a caravan but like you're you're driving a wagon and you're ambushed by four goblins and i had this whole five minute segment that said four goblins may seem like a like a a trivial encounter but if you look at their stats if you look at their armor class, their damage, the abilities that they have, they could fuck up a first level party. And that's their first ever combat encounter of their lives. This is the starter set adventure. These are brand new players. People hated that. <laughs> uh, that's one of the, aside from healing potions, that's something that people disagree with the most is that counters, that encounter is easy actually. Even though I spent like five minutes explaining why it could be difficult, they said, no, it's actually easy. And one of their <laughs> defenses is that if you're a DM, just fudge the dice rolls. Just change the adventure. Which really annoys me. When I'm talking about a module, I talked about Fandelva, I talked about Dragon Heist. When I'm talking about the module, I'm always talking about the mechanics. I'm never talking about the people who are running it. I think if you're running it for someone, absolutely change it. If it's not working, Mm -hmm. change it if it's not working. But if we take that approach and use that to excuse any criticisms that we have, we're going to end up with some really shitty products. (laughs) Like, if we consistently get poor adventures, poor modules, and we point out that this is low quality design, low quality writing. And the answer is just homebrew it. Just design it. The quality is going to stagnate. We're not going to improve off of that. Um, when, when it comes to fudging dice rolls in the moment, if you really need it for a hot fix, I won't judge you for it. You probably should do it, but the, there's something wrong with the mechanics if you're constant, the more you're fudging dice rolls, there's got to be something wrong with the mechanics. And for me, it's mm-hmm. always about the mechanics. You got something, Alex? I was just thinking about that because once again, we—it's been a minute since we've since I've put the D and D cap on, mm-hmm. and 
I absolutely agree with everything there that there's two parts that I'm hearing that one we as a tabletop community should not accept low quality work from published manufacturers right mm -hmm. if you are making the buckets of money then you should be able to pay for the people who can adequately write and balance and play test and put all the R&D into the module right if it's and I'm not attacking any of the I am both not attacking independent module writers. I'm not attacking people that do that as their hobby. I'm not attacking people who even do that as their, like, I'm, if you're doing it independently, I'm not talking about you. Hmm. Talk about the corpos. I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. Listen, if we're going to live in this, this hellscape of <laughs> Just the hellscape. <laughs> I could just end there, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> But I, I think that's also an interesting take because where the discussion used to be, like, or well, not used to be, it still is, right? It should, let mm -hmm. me just for one second. You got that's it. it should be that like we're talking about being culturally sensitive, making sure that we are being um, politically correct, and inviting voices to the table. I don't think it should just stop there. I think that's a component of it, but also you should still be writing modules that are well-balanced for the every person who's just going to come in and, and follow the book as, as the, the source material, right? So mm. I, I think that's an interesting way of seeing that argument in like a different light that isn't always um, charged in we need to be, we need to be representative to everybody because that's, that's a part of it and that's a big part of it. But like also – like, don't give me shitty writing at this point. Yes! <laughs> exactly. Don't do that. But I, oh, and I lost my second one. But um, he, Adrian can talk and I'll think about it. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'm talking now. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Adrian, do you think we should criticize modules or do you think that we should just homebrew the shitty ones and then live with it? Yes, we should homebrew the shitty ones and live with it because I already paid for it and I'm already sad about it. Uh, <laughs> and it's nobody's fault because I'm just a middle guy. I'm just I'm sitting on the fence, okay? Yeah. I, I don't think corporations should do anything with my money other than get rich and build more yachts. <laughs> build more yachts. That's... Well, they probably don't build it. They just buy it. But if, it'd be cooler if they did, though, <laughs> even though I still have zero respect for them. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird how quickly people defend Wizards of the Coast products. Like, people yeah. like will write essays defending Lost Minds of Fandelver. But I feel like these are the same people who were criticizing Wizards of the Coast about the OGL, not but in January. Yeah. Like, yep. they All didn't stop being problematic. January. You know? <laughs> they yeah, didn't yeah. stop being a shitty company. And I don't want to say Wizards of the Coast is a shitty company because I would love a job at Wizards of the Coast. And if I say they're a shitty company, they're probably not going to hire me. I have a lot of ideas, you guys. I have listened. You have no idea. It Pepe feels like D&D is the, like, the new frontier of storytelling. And we're kind of just letting it do its own thing. And that really annoys me because I really want to just – I want to fully explore this. Like it feels like we've just discovered the video camera and we're just learning how to make movies. But we're not – we're just doing home videos. We could be doing so much more with this. 
We're doing AFV right now. Yeah. <laughs> why are we just writing like lists of encounters? Why are why are we writing it like this when we can transcend this new medium into something that we have not yet seen before? You're just flooding my head with ideas. Uh, yeah, I, just... I I wish th- please don't actually uh, record the the video and and put it up because I I probably look my lazy eye is probably going to the right. And... Well, I'll animate an eye patch on you or something, <laughs> <laughs> or just put a googly eye on it. Just the <laughs> Which whole is definitely time not going to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I agree with you. I think I don't. It should be both, right? We should be able to have random encounters that allow me to customize and give me the the scaffolding I need to run my own com- campaign. But also, as baby DMs and as people entering the, the tabletop space, or even just people who just want to tell a good story that has a good outline to it, we should also have the ability to find campaigns that are well-balanced that you can just pick up and play mm-hmm. because I know plenty of people. I am one of those people that I don't want to necessarily write everything. I would rather it be handed to me and that would make my life a lot easier. And I could find better ways to get people involved in Dungeons and Dragons or any sort of TTRPG. Um, but also I am, I am baby and I am tired. So <laughs> Do the work. For, I will pay you to Make do the it, work for me. That's, that's what I'm, I'm doing. I am paying you. I'm paying yeah. you. <laughs> it's not like yeah. I'm stealing it out of your hand. I will pay what is worth. Yeah. But I'll go but to I the store. <laughs> I'll swipe my little card and I'll get one of the books that you made. Just make sure it doesn't like TPK the players. Like that's all I ask. All right, we've hit the hour mark. I uh, it, I want to ask more, Nico, but I think we must stop. <laughs> okay. For I have to edit this. That's unfortunate Nico needs a for part you. Two. Yeah, I'll yeah, do a part yeah. two. Ooh. I have so many things I can talk about. I didn't even tell you about my one-sided vendetta with Ginny D. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's more to come later, folks. <laughs> I'm writing it down, uh, so next time we. We start it mm. off right off the gate. Just it never happened. The one-sided, the one-sided uh, vendetta with Jenny D never happened. But it was something I was considering when I was starting the channel. And I'll tell you why <laughs> next just to time. Get some... <laughs> God, nice, nice, nice. I'm glad we have some story continu- continuity with this <laughs> uh, podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, oh, that's not my part. <laughs> oh. Plug your plug your uh, your channel. Plug your Patreon. Okay, so fucking put your Venmo because you're a student. Like, let us send <laughs> um, support this child through school, please. <laughs> <laughs> There's still please. hope in his eyes. You can see it through the video. Uh, give me money, he still please. Thinks, money, please. He still thinks the world could be a good place. He's not like Adrian <laughs> and me. Not, I'm not fully disillusioned yet. Um, my YouTube channel is called Dice Brain. If you go to YouTube and type in Dice Brain, you'll find my channel. Um, the videos, I think, are pretty good. And you should watch all of them and then make your opinion. Um, if you need a place to start, I think Lost Minds of Fandelver is bad, actually, is a good place to start. Or 
uh, what spells are most useful in real life. Those two I'd recommend as a starting point, and then you could check out more of the channel from there. Uh, Dice Brain. Yeah, Dice Brain. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, th this is very, this is new. This is the next era for Alex. Uh, Adrian, I actually watched Nico's videos today. I came oh, slightly prepared. What videos did you nice see? Thing. I watched the the ranking of the spells. Oh, with John Sand? Yes. Ah. Um, then I had a whole conversation with one of my coworkers. <laughs> he was like, you play Dungeons and Dragons? I was like, bitch, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me? You don't know I have a podcast? <laughs> but now you do. Don't, don't listen, you need to tell, You need to be promoting this thing, okay? <laughs> tell him, bitch, this I own a year. Yeti mic. <laughs> I don't own shit. Adrian gave it to me. It was you a hand-me-down. It was a hand-me-down. <laughs> All right. What was the outro uh, of the video supposed to be? It, wait, wait, oh. Whoa. Oh, yeah, what's the actress supposed to be, Alex? Uh, thank you, dear listener, for joining us again. Welcome back. We're so happy that you are here. We are happy we're back. I don't know. I'm happy we're back. I haven't talked to Adrian. I assume Adrian wanted to be back, too, uh, even though it's been a minute. Uh, we're going to get the Patreon restarted at some point, so if you really want it back, just yell at us. Start ah! some controversy on the Twitter uh maybe on the tiktok just just wherever things happen on the internet just say the word dungeons and degrees and we will be there for you or you know if enough people say it we'll we'll have to so uh that's how the internet works yeah <laughs> if you say it enough times it happens like beetlejuice just yeah will come um mitch mcconnell die mitch mcconnell die mitch mcconnell die. <laughs> Mitch McConnell car crash. Mitch McConnell car crash. Well, that took me out. Um, <laughs> you can find us on all social medias at Dungeons and Degrees. Uh, please just tell your friends, your family, your enemies about our podcast. We are hopefully going to be back consistently. Uh, I missed it. Like I said, I really did miss you. Dear listener, I missed you. I'm so happy you're back. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. You probably are my best friend because there's like four people who listen to this consistently. So, <laughs> you know I love hey, you. It's 14. It's like 14. That's fair. Hey, hey Ben. To the, the 14 people who are listening to this, I love you. Oh, my God. I really felt that. Oh, my gosh. I, did you tell so how genuine love. I was? Oh, my God. You're like a really yeah. good actor. <laughs> You're a really good director. Thank you so much. I should, oh do you think God. I should get into film? Oh my god, you should YouTube definitely channel. get into film. Oh my god. Yeah, put all your YouTube channels in your IMDb. Oh my god. It's your number <laughs> one film. Oh, that sentence made me nauseous. <laughs> it's fine. Alright, well, thank you so much for listening. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. I'm not Adrian, I'm Nico. Oh. Go have some fun. <laughs> <laughs>